Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy, and today my guest, Alex Schmelkin, is the CMO at Uncork. Now, Uncork is a really cool company where I like to think that Alex has found the perfect company for him to focus on both product and customer as CMO. Now, if you look at Alex's past, he had almost 20 years on the side of working directly with the client. So he was on the agency side, always jumping from one client to the next, as you'll hear him talk about today. And then he made that shift to something he was passionate about, which is how do you bridge moving away from always needing an agency to empowering the organization to be in control? This is a message that I talk about a lot at Uberflip, which is how do we do this with marketers? How do we put marketers in control on a day-to-day basis? And Alex talks about the challenges to do that at the CIO level of going to these CIOs who sometimes are associated with not wanting change, and showing them in the world we're in today that now more than ever, we need to embrace change, we need to embrace speed, and Alex is doing that in really cool ways, including amazing growth at this company on Quark. So without further ado, here we go, my interview with Alex Schmuck. Hey, Alex, thanks so much for dropping in. And I am really excited to dig into your career as becoming a CMO because it's it's kind of, you created the perfect environment for yourself. Is that a fair way to put it? Uh, well, thanks, Randy. Happy to be chatting today. Yeah, perhaps I did. You know, my background kind of lended itself to uh, stepping into the marketing and other go-to-market roles at the at the company we created on Quark a few years ago. So yeah, happy to discuss that and go into all the background. Awesome. So for everyone tuning in, I mean, your background started off very much on the agency side of things. And maybe you can just describe the role the agencies you were with played and and what your role was within those companies. I was one of these kids in the mid 90s that taught himself how to build websites. And if you knew how to do that in the 95, 96 era, you started a web design agency. So uh, I really started my career just building uh, small design firms. We, we opened it in the downtown of the uh, college town where, uh, where I went to university. And the dream back then was to be a design and consulting agency for businesses that wanted to get involved in this crazy internet thing that was starting. And over the years, kind of built and scaled a number of larger and larger agencies. You know, now we call them customer experience shops, but back then we called them web design agencies or interactive companies, focusing initially on both the technology side as well as the design side of the web and being an agency that provided this to clients really just gave me a great perspective on what it is that customers need in order to launch their digital initiatives and bring them to market. Interesting. And, you know, fast forwarding to today, you know, after roughly 20 years from the looks of it on the, on the side you just described, now you're in the software side of things. And it's, it's funny because I think a lot of marketers you speak to will, will say that they kind of debate always in their mind. Do I go with the agency or do I go with something more software based that's going to be more off the shelf, you know, hopefully still flexible? How did you make that huge leap after that amount of time? 
You know, my whole career from the early days, even until now, I'm always asked the question, do I go agency side? Do I go brand side? You know, because that's from the agency world. That's what we would call it. And when I was an agency guy, obviously, I would always espouse the wonderful benefits of both sides, but generally lands in a place. But you really should try out the agency side because there's this diversity of customer. You get to be dropped in and out of different industries and you get exposed to really the dynamic nature of working for a lot of businesses. But if you ask a lot of agency people, and I think this became true after my 20 years in agency world, the only thing we were jealous of, of the brand side guys, is that they were building and owning their amazing products. In many cases, we were actually building it for them. And, and kind of as my, you know, as my agency career matured, and as we were working for bigger and bigger customers and becoming specialized in lots of different industries, what really attract, you know, continued to attract me was going out and building my own product and understanding enough about what it is that the broad business community and now you know the enterprise technology community needs in order to be efficient. You you asked the question, you know, building and customizing versus buying. We don't think there's a trade-off anymore. I personally don't. With the invention of newer technologies, and at least in the case of our platform on Cork, the way that you can create software without having to be a coder. Everything is visual, it's drag and drop. We've figured out a way to allow the end customer, in this case, in this case, a very big company, an enterprise, to customize and build any software they need without the trade-offs of the time and expense that that traditionally took. So I find myself now on the brand side, loving loving every minute of it, and you know, and certainly fulfilling the marketer's dream and journey of getting it out to our customers. So walk me through a little bit more this shift in, in career, this shift in, in how you thought about being a leader, going from a, in an environment that I, I would describe personally as very much there for the customer from a service perspective to, as you put it, now you've got to be there for not just the customer, but there for the product and there for motivating the company towards a long-term vision. How did you ramp up? Well, I see my personal motivation has remained consistent. I think to be an effective agency leader and scaler, you really need to come to work to every day, wildly passionate about your customers and their success. Ultimately, you're held up by how good are these products and services or designs you're delivering. You still need that thread to be a great product company owner. You still need to wake up every day and say, how can my customers be wildly successful with my product? Uh, the big difference, of course, being that you're not just creating these kind of one-off bespoke solutions over and over again that they're using. You're also investing in the platform that they, that they use to build it. So I don't necessarily see it as a ramp up and a different orientation. But true, the way you say it, you have this extra complexity of not just focusing on the customer, but also what are the commonalities between all your customers that you have to build into your, into your product and your platform to make it very, very successful for them. Yeah. I mean, Alex, I don't mean to, I, I'm not trying to challenge on this. I'm more trying to think out loud of, of the shift that one would have to go through because you know, there's this debate you always hear of, which is you know, if you're running a software company, should you be listening to every customer need and trying to satisfy every one of them or and not that you shouldn't listen to the customer but you need to aggregate and decide what's the best for the product vision the overall product mindset which again back to the agency side i think you know most people i know on the agency side it's whatever the customer yeah. needs 
just make it possible. I, I guess the interesting intersect is with what Uncork does in terms of making the impossible possible for every every enterprise. Yeah, I think so. I think I think I'm able to answer that. Have my cake and eat it too, because what we are creating for the enterprise is the ability for them to dream up anything they want and to produce it. Though you are right, you are right in, in one important point, Randy, that that we do have to hear what our customers want and build those core capabilities into our platform so that they can go off and build the software using our tool set. And if we listened to every single desire and every single need and basically prioritize them the same, then we wouldn't have control over our product roadmap. And, and I'll tell you the way that we've solved that, and this might be instructive for others, at least on a journey, maybe from you know an agency style career into a product style career, the way we've solved it is we've crowdsourced over a number of years the trickiest business problems that, in our case, large regulated companies like insurers and financial services businesses and big cities, all the problems that they have. So we crowdsource those problems. They're building software over and over again on our platform. And then we're constantly improving the platform with those things we know that they need to be more and more more and more effective. We've reached uh, actually an interesting point that a lot of the new requirements Customers can build themselves. So for me, that's that's a very fulfilling part to be on my journey, on my career journey. We don't have to build features into our platform anymore that allow them to then take advantage. They can actually start building themselves, which is kind of that true, you know, dream of the environment. That's great. It's it's great to see that that vision start to become a reality and, and products start to guide the business in that way. I want to just jump to a different area of this conversation. For those listening in and, and thinking, I want to make that jump from agency side to product side, go to the brand side, you know, some even say go to the dark side, if you will. For those thinking that, talk a little bit about how you envision building the marketing team at Encore. You know, did you say to yourself, okay, I'm making this shift. I want others who are going to make the shift. Or did you go with more product SaaS background marketers? For this next stage of, of your career? You know, I'm a big believer in, in hiring and surrounding myself and the teams that I build with those that have both great experience and also high aptitude for whatever the role is. And in this case, because I didn't come from a product and a brand background, I was only consulting to them. I built out part of the initial team with those that came from a SaaS and marketing background. I thought it was important to bring on a marketing leader a channels and alliances leader, uh, also you know some of the sales team reports up through me that had a, a lot of that traditional SaaS selling background because there's a muscle memory that's super valuable in a hyper growth company like we are that certainly we're we're willing to find aptitude and and train people up and get them kind of skilled up on the model the way we do things, but you can't replace. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years of being in the ecosystem and building that muscle. So I appreciated being able to bring on people that already had a lot of that skill. And I'd say to those, you know, again, it's chicken and egg, right? The, the other part of the question I think begs, all right, let's say you want to make the jump. You've had a successful agency career. You have a little bit of that twinge in you that says, hey, there's a different kind of world going on on the brand side, on the product side. But if, I, if I'm not that 20-year veteran of SaaS, like how do I make the jump? I think you lean heavily on the aptitude side. You know, you show over and over again, well, really what I was doing in my agency career was coming up with ad campaigns for my customers, coming up with ad creative and working on it together. 
tracking KPIs, you know, making sure that in my model, every dollar I spent, I could equate to income. Soon enough, you'll be in, you'll be in that product space building that own muscle. Absolutely. That's great advice. Alex, we're going to keep going here, but after a short break, and then we're going to dive a little deeper into the buyer side and how you're navigating buyers in this world. It is very different as we've already hit on right back here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. Now, this debate that Alex and I are hitting on of agency versus in-house work is long debated. And a lot of you listening are without a doubt marketers. We've seen a huge shift in our space. For many years, marketers were at the mercy of IT, always needing something to be built. Now, the rise of a MarTech stack has really enabled a marketer to take control, whether that's marketing automation systems kicking that off, or many solutions we have today to leverage data, to leverage content, solutions even like Uberflip. This is really about changing control. And what I find interesting in this conversation is we're seeing that happen not just in marketing. Alex talks here about this idea that is shifting even into the CIO. Now CIO is all about infrastructure, all about technology. We always associate that we want the CIO to be able to go back to coding whatever they're coding. Now this shift to see the CIO embrace third-party applications to help build on top of, I think is only going to further that opportunity for marketing technology. Very often marketers are at the mercy of the CIO as to whether or not we can start to leverage other technology. Other technology that makes us more nimble, allows us to work faster. And as companies right now more than ever see that shift, see that importance of speed and speed to market, perhaps COVID is what's pushing this for some of your organizations. I think this sign CIOs on board is only gonna benefit marketing and the way companies move at a pace overall. All right, Alex, so I want to shift over a little bit and talk about the buyers that you're seeking. I'm, I'm sure they're very different than the type of clients you were looking to find or pitching on in your old world. How do you find a CIO who's open to the idea of the complexities of what you're offering and the streamlining when sometimes they just want that control themselves? We really look at at two kinds of buyers at our customers, Randy. There's there's the business who, kind of like we said earlier, they don't lack for ideas. They really strive to bring amazing products to market, and they just want to move faster and more cheaply. Uh, and then there's technology that often has the same amazing ideas. They're also the ones that often have to build it. And from the CIO side, we, we generally, just to give a bit of background, we generally are selling to very regulated industries like insurance, 
banking, financial services, public sector, healthcare. So most of our customers are these scale, you know, global 1000 businesses. And those CIOs, many of them, they've built their careers on and great successes, building big uh, engineering shops, dev shops, hiring lots and lots of developers. And we love as many, many aspects of that. But sometimes if you look at it, if you look at a platform like ours that allows them to build software without code, you might think that we're a threat. We're not. But you might say, well, what did I spend all this time in my career building up technology acumen and thousands of developers to support my bank or support my insurance carrier when now anyone can come in and just do this using Uncork? So the way that we approach that buyer is simply by showing them, well, what if you took that team of 3,000 developers you have today and they were 20 times more effective or 50 or 200, like in some cases you could be? So we're not trying to convince them that we have the greatest new technology uh, because they're they're strong technologists. They're going to have strong opinions on that. What we need to basically communicate from a marketer's point of view is that team is wildly powerful and effective of what they do. Imagine if they were even more more effective. I'm curious as you describe that, and and if we we looked at it as kind of the early adopters versus you know, those who are more mature or even laggard, are you going after and saying as a company, as a team at Uncork, are you saying, all right, let's go and convince the early adopters to jump in? Or are you being as brave to say, let's even go and challenge those who we've got to wait longer until they're ready, but let's show them this story. What's, what's the stage of your business in terms of what type of buyer you really want at the table? Yeah, so we're about three and a half, four years in. Uh, we only officially opened our payroll in November of 2017, uh, but we already have 40 enterprise customers. So I will say this, the first five in late 2017 and 2018, they were early adopters. Now, many of them were CIOs at insurance companies that knew us only by reputation, but didn't yet know us by the product that we had. And they were visionary CIOs uh, and, and business leaders as well. And they saw our platform and said, wow, this could really be a shift change. Now, it was unproven. They had never used a no-code platform to build complex software. Uh, that's changed over the last couple of years. So from a marketer's perspective, whereas three or four years ago, we were saying this concept, build software without code, and getting a lot of eye rolling, which I still get today, but that's okay. We love the skepticism. Now, there's a track record of working with companies like us and seeing great success in the market. You can actually build trading systems and pandemic response systems and you know very complex software without code. So today, I don't think we're just early adopter. There's tons of businesses. From a marketing perspective, uh, you also have to, you got a question, how much do you maintain that uh, unbelievability in your message? Because when people see our platform for the first time, they've never seen anything like it. And to many, it's magical. To many, it's too good to be true. Many call BS in the first eight minutes of, of a presentation until they actually see a demo. We always are trying to uh, correct the volume on how much do we show the magical nature of what you could do, as opposed to here just the brass tacks facts about you know the performance gains you get and how much more effective you could be. Do you feel as though everything that's going on in, in the world that we're all living in now, where we're, we're stuck at home, we're working remotely, in some cases, we're having to come up with new products, new services, new approaches to our customers. Do you feel as though some of these you know, laggards have be, 
have kind of accelerated in terms of their openness in the last six months because one theme I'm seeing out there is just the importance of speed, speed to adjust to our customers. How's that shifted you know, business for you? Uh, we, we've said since the very beginning of when we started our company, uh, we use the hashtag, I'm sorry, we don't move that slowly. The idea being that speed in, in our world really is the ultimate killer to the old fashioned way of doing things. And, and what we've seen during COVID, and happy to go into a couple of examples here, is those really sticky old fashioned regulated industries like insurance that need you to sign paperwork in front of them, like a clerk's office that works at a big city that requires you to show up and show your identification in order to get your marriage license, or even the simplicity, uh, or, or rather the difficulty of closing a mortgage, which in the old world, you couldn't even do remotely. Now our customers are coming to us and saying, I need an online mortgage solution. I need an online marriage portal. I need a way to write an insurance policy. Oh, and by the way, I finally convinced my compliance and my legal officer to allow me to do it over a, you know, a digital and a virtual setting. So no doubt the world has changed and it's accelerated. We had a major municipality come to us right as COVID was starting. And they needed, uh, they had the need to essentially track and trace and allow citizens to self-report their COVID status very early days in the pandemic. You couldn't dream of building that software the old-fashioned way. It still wouldn't be live today if you had to find a development team and write it from scratch. So chances are this municipality, you know, maybe but for the pandemic, they might not have thought to so rapidly embrace such a critical system, building it, uh, it with this wildly new method. But uh, you know, the, the proof is in the ability to actually execute at that speed, no question. So how has your team rallied in terms of adjusting your own go-to-market messaging, given this openness to change, given the opportunity that, that's in front of you? How have you yourselves you know, moved quickly? It was tricky in the earlier part of this year. I, I have the inside sales team. I support them also uh, as part of my organization. And you know, March, April, May uh, is a difficult time, you know, earlier this year, even today, it's a difficult time to reach out to businesses of all stripes that may be struggling, may be doing well. Um, and, you know, even a little bit of research might not actually uncover what's going on there. So we work really carefully on our individual outreach messages to soften the tone, to not be overly aggressive, not like we ever were, but to really find the moment of we're here to help. Uh, this might be a solution that actually could help you accelerate, save costs, deal with these radically new things that you didn't have a few months ago. And we find that it works. We, we also found that we need to be cautious about being self-promotional in an era like this. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're a fast-growing technology business and we're hiring uh, at, at an incredible clip. We've actually added 100 people to our staff even since COVID began, even since early March all hired virtually, all working remotely. But that's not our story, right? That's not, we're not screaming from the mountaintop saying, oh, look at Uncork's growth. What we're saying is from a marketing perspective, look how we can enable our end customers to actually find the similar pace and the similar speed in their businesses. Absolutely. I, I think especially the the story that you just shared of, of that municipality having to step up. I mean, those are the stories that I think get the other buyers or perhaps the laggers to say, We've got to move at their pace. That's what people need to hear right now. It's, it's these motivational stories of other marketers and how they're stepping up in a meaningful way. 
Alex, this has been great. I, I want to keep you around. We're going to get to know a little bit more about you behind the scenes right after here. One last quick break on the marketing journey. I think Alex brings up a really important debate in our chat that many of us marketers must be struggling with. If your business is doing well, if your business is able to help customers amid this change in how we do business, is this something you talk about or is this something that you stay away from? Do we want the limelight of all the good that we're doing in a very tough time for our customers and for people as a whole? Now, I think what Alex is doing is dead on. We need to be there to help our customers. And we then have to tell those stories though. We have to highlight the way companies are transforming. Very interesting, I took on the idea of chatting with many of our customers at Uberflip a number of months back. Right when COVID kicked off, I jumped on calls and I wanted to understand what CMOs, what marketing leaders were doing to shift the way that they engaged with buyers. Now, what we ended up doing was taking these conversations and turning them into mini webinars. We didn't gate them. We didn't do a lot of things we maybe would typically do. We put up a page to help people navigate how to do marketing during COVID. And I think that's what's going to come in the months ahead for many businesses. It's an opportunity to shift. And if you've been able to help customers telling those stories and having those stories that can be replicated, not that different than Alex has done, not that different than my team has done, is going to present great opportunity for your business to scale without being obnoxious about it at the same time. All right, Alex, so we've unpacked your career, how you approach the buyer. Tell us a little bit about how you approach family, how you approach taking a break and prioritizing your mental health. Yeah, Randy, I'm a big believer that if, uh, if I or you know, if a coworker themselves is not in a very good place with their own mental breaks and their own time with their family, then how effective are they gonna be at work? And so I really do make it a priority for myself to find the time uh, and to make the time, as you, as you generally have to do, like in an environment we're in right now, to spend with family, and uh, you know it's it's even it's even harder when you're not commuting to work and you're you're on video calls from the earliest mornings in earliest hour in the morning until the latest at night. But uh, I build blocks into my calendar. I put holds. I'll put a big chunk over here where, of course, I know calls are going to sneak in and, and clients are going are gonna to be uh, expecting you. But if you really take the time to build in those breaks, you every once in a while, you're going to really respect them a lot and you're going to spend time. Uh, I've been, I've been you know, doing lots of things on the weekends with the kids. My, my middle guy, early in uh, when we were all under lockdown, he found on YouTube a, a builder that was making backyard roller coasters. And he caught me at a weak moment and he said, you know, dad, this summer, can we build a backyard roller coaster? And probably <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, don't worry. And I, I went right back to the video conference. Well, lo and behold, I'm now about 10 weeks into my backyard uh, roller coaster. I've 70 feet built. We're cutting and drilling steel. These are things that I've never done before. Wow. Uh, you know, so it's so it's as important as anything can be. Uh, and I might get a roller coaster out of that as a result as well. This is the first time I've ever thought about whether we turn this into a video podcast because we need that. We need that image. We need you to take your computer to the backyard right now. See how that thing's coming together. That is amazing maybe we'll we'll figure out when we go live with this how to tweet out a photo or something like that see where the progress is at 
Uh, Alex, this has been a great story. I, I really uh, appreciate you sharing. And I think it's a different perspective of, as you say, crossing over, seeing another side of business and uh, making a huge success along the way with it. So thanks for, for sharing and congrats on all that success. For those who have been tuning in, if you've enjoyed Alex's story and you found us for the first time, we've got so many interesting CMO stories, how they got to where they are. Tune in, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. We're there. And when you can, leave us a review. Until next time, this has been The Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to The Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.